The Talking Points podcast is produced in partnership with C. Michael Gibson and clinicaltrialresults.org. Mike Gibson, Mike Trauma coming to you live from ESC 2022, and we are talking about the axiomatic SSP trial, a trial looking at a new factor 11 inhibitor in the secondary stroke prevention setting. Mike, talk to us a little bit about you know, why you did this. How does this build upon the factor 10 inhibitors? Tell us why you did the study. Thanks so much, Mike. Pleasure to be here. So, you know, our problem in secondary stroke prevention has really been one of hemorrhage. So as you escalate antithrombotic therapy, most lately with the combination of ticagalor and aspirin, you get more hemorrhage and troublingly hemorrhage in the brain. So what led to this was that conundrum of how to do more effective antithrombotic therapy acutely without hemorrhage combined with what we saw in the COMPASS trial. There, when we had the right dose of a factor 10 inhibitor combined with an antiplatelet agent, aspirin in that case, we saw a significant reduction in stroke, 42% overall in the COMPASS trial. So this seemed to us the opportunity to test a factor 11 inhibitor, the perfect match of safety and efficacy in this dual pathway approach combined with antiplatelets. Mike, talk to us a little bit about what the advantages of a factor 11 inhibitor may be over a factor 10 inhibitor? That's a great question. Originally, we thought about redoing COMPASS acutely. Um, and then we ran into the development program for the factor 11 inhibitors. Now, factor 11 has an interesting position in the coagulation cascade. Unlike factor 10, it's not in the common pathway and not in the direct pathway that's responsible for hemostasis. So factor 11 gets positive feedback from thrombin, makes thrombi larger and probably more stable. So it's, it's off to the side in the pathway for hemostasis. And we do know that people who are born with factor 11 deficiency have fewer ischemic strokes, fewer VTEs, and don't have spontaneous bleeding. And importantly for us, don't show an increase in intracerebral hemorrhage. Very important. So talk to us a little bit about the design of the study, Mike. So we took patients who were within 48 hours of an index event, either a stroke or a TIA. Now, if it was a stroke, they had to have an NIH score of seven or less. Now, NIH is a reasonable surrogate for the size of the infarct. It's not perfect, but it's applicable and clinical trials and clinical practice. So NIH up to seven would be mild to moderate size strokes. If there were uh, TIAs, they need an ABCD2 score, which tells us about the probability of a stroke occurring of six or seven. So it would put them in the high risk category. Now, all the strokes had to be non-lacunar. So not these small deep strokes, which we know from previous work seem to be more resistant to antithrombotics than strokes of other types. And in addition, in order to enrich the event rate and add um, uh, the population that's at highest risk of early recurrence, we required everyone in the trial to have visible atherosclerosis in a vessel that was feeding the affected area of the brain. So to get in, need to be within 48 hours, meet those criteria, 
and also eligible for an MRI. So people with pacemakers that were not compatible, for instance, couldn't enter the trial. We did a baseline MRI prior to randomization in just about all subjects and one at 90 days. So our endpoint was a combination of symptomatic ischemic stroke and asymptomatic or covert infarcts detected on the 90-day MRI when it was compared to baseline. All of those MRIs were read centrally by trained readers. And Mike, this was a dose escalation study. I mean, you're looking at several doses here, right? Yeah, very yeah, excellent point. So everyone in the trial for 21 days was on aspirin and clopidogrel, loading dose of clopidogrel between 300 and 600 milligrams, and then 75 milligrams a day after that aspirin only. And randomization was to either matching placebo or one of five doses of Milvexian. And the dose range was, was quite large, about 16-fold, going from 25 milligrams a day to 200 milligrams BID. And that was continued for 90 days. And what did you find? So very exciting. So the primary endpoint, which is a composite of the covert infarcts and symptomatic stroke, was neutral. We saw a little bit of a decrease at doses of Milvexian, which were 50 milligrams BID or 100 milligrams BID, but overall, not much of an effect. Where it got really interesting was when we looked at the components of the composite endpoint. It seems that we didn't have much of an impact on covert infarcts, these small deep infarcts. We did, however, have a significant impact on symptomatic ischemic strokes. Now, in a trial of this type, you're looking for a dose-response trend. There's not really power to show a difference between each arm and placebo. But what we can say is that doses greater than 25 milligrams BID, there was a consistent decrease of about 30%. And that was for all doses, excluding 200 milligrams, where the uh, proportion of participants who had an ischemic stroke was actually higher than placebo. And, you know, these covert strokes, these deep strokes, are they different pathophysiology? Are those more often lacunar rather than large vessel strokes? Talk to us about why it may not have worked there. So I think what this trial combined with what we saw in Compass Mind, which was the MRI substudy in Compass and Navigate, is telling us that these types of infarcts do not respond well to antithrombin. And it may be that the etiology is quite different, so that if they're embolic, the emboli are too small really to be impacted by our therapies, or they may be hemodynamic in nature. So there is a, a significant and evolving change in the cerebral blood flow around the area of infarct, and most of the ones that we saw, by the way, of these covert strokes were in that region. Um, and some of it may just be uh, that that area of brain drops below the threshold for viability. So you get a small hemodynamic infarct, which you couldn't possibly affect with antithrombotics. Now, I will say that these covert strokes, we do believe are important for brain recovery, uh, but we'll need a different approach if we're gonna address this problem. So if I'm hearing you right, Mike, uh, dose response curve on efficacy, uh, higher, what's better up until the, for reasons we don't understand this 200 milligram dose behave differently. And uh, on the efficacy, on the safety side, rather, a fairly consistent risk of bleeding. Uh, what's going to be next for this molecule? 
So I think with the results that, that are there, there are several viable doses for phase three. So I do think we'll see this move into phase three trial for secondary stroke prevention, likely in combination with antiplatelets. Great. Very exciting, Mike. Thanks for presenting us today. Thanks for joining us here from ESC 2022. My pleasure. 